Why, hello there, party people. Put your hands in the air. It is time for Fried Squirms. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. We're here to get stoned and talk about fucking horror movies. Fried Squirms. This week, 13 ghosts. I almost can't count that high right now. But you know what I can get? It's more high right now. We gotta start off with our greenheads. Danny, what is this Jay that I'm smoking on today that you brought me? All right, well, once again, went over to the lovely folks over at Flower and picked up the Mendo Breath strain, which Ooh. is an Indica dominant hybrid, somewhere around like a 70-30 split. All right, now this one is a super rare Indica dominant hybrid, which I just mentioned. It is crossed through the classic OG Kush Breath with a rare Mendo montage strain. Now this one, the flavors on it, a little candy, some caramel, some sweetness, a little vanilla. The aromas are pretty much the same with a little bit of earthy, sweet, and pungent notes. And this one is good for body high. You know, you're gonna feel a little sleepy because it is like an indica, um, but it helps with chronic pain, cramps, and muscle spasms. So yeah, that's, I'm a big indica fan. It really takes a lot to knock me down unless it's like a really, really good cush strain. Mm -hmm. This one's decent. I mean, it's not gonna put you down. It feels weird saying this about a weed strain, but there's a lot of mouthfeel to this smoke. Like there's there's flavor just on the edge of it mm. that I can't quite taste, but it's like permeating my entire mouth. I'm digging it. Nice. I mean, that's why it's Mendo breath. Now I got the Mendo breath. <laughs> there you go. They were out of Jays when I went today. In fact, it was fucking busy as shit when I went in today. There was two people in front of me on my way out. Three people lined up right behind. Holy, I had to open, hold open the door for two people. I wasn't being nice. They were just one right after the other. Like, I mean, um, that's good for them, but we've talked about them in the past. It's like, ooh, sometimes it's bad for us because we like joints. Right? So I just picked up some flour, loaded you a bowl of some apple fritter. Hmm. I found most places don't quite know. Looks like the original apple fritter was put out by Lumpy's Flowers in Northern California, and they haven't quite said what they bred it from yet. I have found the genetics for a different strain. Maybe the same strain? Maybe not. Most places are like, the origins of apple fritters is still pretty secret. And then I found one website that's like, yeah, no, apple fritters is sour apple crossed with animal cookies. Now, I know that it said something while I was at Flower up on their little placard mm -hmm. there. I don't remember what the fuck it said. <laughs> it happens. It's all right. So we're going to say sour apple animal cookies. Almost all sources that I can find on this strain agree that it is almost like a perfect 50-50 hybrid. Nice. Across the board. I'm going to go a little bit more with the leaf, just from smelling it, from the leafly side of it being a little bit more herbally and peppery rather than uh, some of the other sites that were saying named because it tastes like apple fritters and i'm like fuck you <laughs> yeah i know right and try that shit it ain't gonna taste like a fucking apple fritter that's okay but no and that's I, fine I like it. it's a good high that's fine anyway yeah that's what we got for weed we want to remind everyone check out our patreon patreon.com slash fried squirms at the very lowest level you could have got this episode last week at the middle level you get benefits like the fact that next week we're going to be going back into our catalog and talking about Phantasm for the first time in years. I mean, we talked about Phantasm too, but that doesn't count. I know that's been a while as well, though. Shit, right? 
We need to keep going through that series. It's fun. It's fun. Anyway, that's middle. Top tier, we don't really have too much shit yet. <laughs> but we're going to get there. Go check that out. Even if you're not going to sign up, go check it out. We have a poll right at the first thing you look at. See what kind of things would get you to sign up for our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash fried squirms. And with that, I think we should get into the guts and bolts of 13 Ghosts and find out who and what made this flick. Guts and bolts. All right, guts and bolts. Who and what went in the making of this flick? Spoiler free to start. We'll get into the spoilers later. Start off with a setup in case you don't know what 13 Ghosts is about. Tony Shalhoub and his family find out that his uncle died and they've inherited a new place. But ghosts. <laughs> Honestly, with the cold open, you have even more info than that. That's a good point. But like still. 10 minutes into the movie. But <laughs> there you go. I was just going to say, without spoiling anything, I think that's a fair and uh, you know pretty accurate assessment. Mm-hmm. So with that, of course, we do like talking about the people who go into making the film and the uh, cast. In this week, we have director Steve Beck. Now, the only other thing of note that this gentleman directed actually is another, I'm not sure, I think it is a William Castle film, but it was a Ghost Ship. Oh, okay. Yeah, was that a Castle film? I'm not, I don't want to say 100%, but I know they were doing a lot of... William Castle films around that time. Maybe it was House on Haunted Hill and this one. Oh no, Ghost Ship was a was a remake, but it wasn't a William okay. Castle. It was a uh, Vernon Sewell. Okay, Sewell, Sewell, Sewell. Maybe. Okay. Well, we have several writers on this. We have Neil Marshall Stevens and Richard Davidio. Now, I'll start with Richard. A few films of note from him. He helped on the films Exit Wounds, the film The Call, The Damned, The Forger, and a film called Hypnotic, and Neil Marshall Stevens. Now, this guy's got some really cool films. Now, if you go back a little bit, let's go into a film called Curse of the Puppet Master. He's also done stuff such as Talisman, The Werewolf Reborn, Frankenstein Reborn. He's done Witch House. He's done a Retro Puppet Master. He's done Tomb of Terror, which was a segment three, Evil Never Dies. And he's done Possessed, Hellraiser, Debtor. He's done Demonic Toys. Um, let's put it this way. He's done a lot of films right out of Full Moon Pictures because a lot of them are going to be some of the, like, Puppet Master series, Demonic Toy series, things like that. All right, moving forward. We have cinematographer Gail Tattersall and a few films of note from them. They've done such things as Tank Girl, if you can believe that, which oh, is really shit. dope. Yeah, Virtuosity. They've done Pushing Tin. Um, speaking of Ghost Ship, they are the DP on Ghost Ship. Also, such things as 118 episodes of House from 2006, yeah, through 2012, which is awesome. They also done Atlas Shrugged, Who is John Galt? Uh, let's see here. And more recently, Grace and Frankie, 74 episodes from 2015, oh, wow. yeah, through 2021. All right, moving forward, we have editors Derek Brecken and Edward A. Warshelka. I'll start with Derek, and Derek goes back to 1994, a film I used to watch a ton because I was into Egyptology, and that film is Stargate. All right, they've also done The Patriot, Deep Blue Sea, Romeo Must Die, Exit Wounds, Cradle to the Grave, Doom, The Condemned, and Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. All right, we have uh, Edward, and Edward, uh, talking about some awesome films, it's kind of funny, I brought this up 
uh, mistakenly because I, I meant to say running scared instead of running man when mm. I was talking about um, Gregory Hines last week. <laughs> Coincidentally, guess who uh, worked on The Running Man as an oh, editor? Shit. Edward worked on that. Also, Big Trouble in Little China. The film Child's Play Part 3, In the Mouth of Madness, Village of the Damned, Escape from L.A., Vampires from 1998, which is awesome. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, we've actually talked about it before. Castle for five episodes back in 2010 through 2011. Bates Motel for an episode back in 2014. Mr. Mercedes for an episode. And more recently, two episodes of The Twilight Zone from 2020. All right, we have music composed by John Frizzle. And John, another person's got some really cool bodies of work. Let's start with uh, such things as, um, I don't know, Beavis and Butthead do America from 1996. Dante's Peak, he did uh, Alien Resurrection, the film Mafia from 1998. Office Space, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Teaching Mrs. Tingle, let's see here, Josie and the Pussycats, Slapshot 2, Ghost Ship, of course. Cradle to the Grave, a couple episodes of Star Trek Enterprise back in 2004, King of the Hill for 27 episodes from 1997 through 2006, which is really cool. Dang. More recently, such things as Legion, which is the film, Texas Chainsaw back in 2013, and Space Force. It's really neat. Oh, All right. sweet. Yeah. All right. Special effects was done by Cinesite. They help with the visual and animation effects. KNB, we've talked about several times on this. They help with the makeup effects and Mannix visual effects helped on this. We have producers Gilbert Adler, Joel Silver, and Robert Zemeckis. Production companies were Warner Brothers, Columbia Pictures, Dark Castle Entertainment, and 13 Ghost Productions Canada Incorporated. The distributors were Warner Brothers here in the States and in Canada for the 2001 theatrical release, and Columbia TriStar Film Distributors International helped with the international theatrical release back in 2001. It had a release date here in the States, October 26, 2001. It had an estimated budget of about $42 million and grossed about $68.5 million. And the tagline is super weak, but it's Terror has multiplied. Boo. And I was like, ugh. All right, moving into our cast. Now, we've got a pretty decent cast here, man. I'm going to lead off, actually, with the Kritikos family. You've already mentioned one person, but Cyrus Kritikos is played by F. Murray Abraham. Now, you talk about some really cool films this guy's done. Let's see here. F. Murray Abraham. (laughs) This is wild, man. All the President's Men back in 76, Scarface in 83, Amadeus... 84, The Name of the Rose, Last Action Hero, Star Trek Insurrection, Finding Forrester, Inside Llewellyn Davis, and The Grand Budapest Hotel. So he voiced characters in The Isle of Dogs and How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. He currently looks like he currently stars in Apple TV. I don't know if this is still current, but Mythic Quest and uh, the series Moon Knight, where he voices uh, Khonshu. Khonshu. That's pretty awesome, dude. Fucking Moon Knight was awesome. Dude, I mean, like you said, this guy, pretty well known. I mean... I think I've listed enough. (laughs) All right. You've also mentioned Tony Shalhoub, who plays Arthur Kritikos. And if you look at some of Tony's works, let's see here. I think a lot of people are probably known him as Adrian Monk in the USA Mm -hmm. Network television series Monk. All right. He was also in the sitcom Wings. He was also on Amazon's The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I still need to watch, but I've heard some really good things about this. Despite only a pretty small part, I always think back to Men in Black. Yeah. Me too, actually. He did a really good job on there. Uh, it's Barton Fink back in 91. Gattaca, right, 97. Galaxy Quest, Spy Kids, The Man Who Wasn't There, 1408. He's won Golden Globes, 
Emmy Awards. He's won all kinds of shit. Looks like he's also voiced some stuff for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is really cool as well. Hmm. So, yeah. All right. We have Shannon Elizabeth, who plays Kathy Kritikos, and... Uh, American Pie. I know. Nadia. That was probably the first time I'd ever seen Shannon in in, in any film. Even, even looking like prior, she was in Jack Frost and some other things, but... That pretty much put her on the map. And then she was in Scary Justice. Movie. Justice. Yeah. Uh, in. Is dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, strike back. Justice. No, in a tree. You see. <laughs> I think I just feel the cup. <laughs> All right. Uh, a few other things I've known from her. She was in Night of the Demons, which is a remake of the film that mm. we did a while back. Um, she was... Pretty much in, like, all those American Pie films, right? We've already mentioned that. And uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot. She's done plenty of television. So, you know, several one-offs. She played Brooke on that 70s show for several episodes. Let's see. She did 31 episodes of Cuts, which is really neat. Uh, six episodes of live nude comedy, you know. So, yeah. Some video game work as well. Really neat. All right. We have... Alec Roberts plays the role of Bobby Criticos. Now, the only other thing of note that he was in, this is kind of... Interesting. This is might be a little footnote for some people who know, but he was in a TV movie called A Family in Crisis, The Alien Gonzalez Story. <laughs> what? Where he played Alien Gonzalez. He was Alien Gonzalez. Yeah. That's fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. And uh, the only other film of note, he was in Traffic, actually, as well. All right. The Latin American delegation <laughs> chooses Alien Gonzalez. Oh, my. That's just like, <laughs> what a random ass reference, man. All right, we have Embeth Davids. She plays the role of Kalina Aritzia. Now, this is pretty cool, man. When She'll I, always be Miss Honey to me. Right now, when I look back on I was like, oh, man, she plays Sheila in Army of Darkness, where she won a Fangoria Tinsler Award for the Best Supporting Actress, which is really cool. Now, she's also in Schindler's List. She was in, you've already mentioned Matilda. She was in Mansfield Park, Bicentennial Man, Bridget Jones's Diary, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo from 2011, Europa Report. She was also in The Amazing Spider-Man Part 2 as Mary Parker, which is really neat. Well, Several she was episodes. in that uh, new M. Night movie, Old. Oh, nice, dude. She was also in 10 episodes of Felicia Coons in Californication, which is a show I used to watch. It's really cool. Eight episodes in Mad Men. Let's see, more recently, she was in an episode of Love, Victor's Miss Campbell. Uh, yeah, so there you go. All right, we have Matthew Lillard, plays Dennis Rapkin. We talked about him way back on episode 19 when we talked about Wes Craven's Scream back in 1996. And he's the fucking best. Oh, yeah, man. I know. Yeah, he's like one of those actors. David Arquette's probably another one that you either love him or you hate him, but I'm a big fan. Uh, uh, just a few films of note. He was in 1994's John Waters film, Serial Mom. Highly recommend that one. He was in Hackers from 1995. SLC Punk? Dude, SLC Punk is good. I don't care what anybody says. He was in Wing Commander. She's all oh, that. Shit, I forgot about Wing Commander. <laughs> yeah, dude. He was in Summer Catch. Was actually, you know, Without a Paddle is one, too, I actually like a lot. Dude, Without a Paddle is fucking funny as shit. Yeah, he's in Bickford Schmeckler's Cool Ideas. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that. That's actually a pretty decent film. He played Shaggy, of course, or he voiced it as well in uh, some of the Scooby-Doo live-action film and uh, cartoon, apparently. Yeah, and then uh, he reprised his role in Scream. I can't say as who, but, you know, if you know, you know. <laughs> Done plenty of television as well. I think more recently he's been in Billions. He was um, in FBI, Supernatural, which is kind of neat. Good Girls, stuff like that. Twin Peaks, actually, he has William Hastings for four episodes, which is kind of 
wild. All right, moving forward, we've got uh, Rod Digga. She plays the role of Maggie Mess. Now she's a hip hop artist. The only other things Flip of note, I know the only things of uh, note from her. She was in The Hip Hop Witch, and she was in Carmen, a hip opera. Dude, Carmen, a hip opera is the shit. Mm. <laughs> I fucking love that shit. I remember when it came on TV. Never watched it. I can't say. All right, we've got a few other people noting that around on our cast. We've got J.R. Bourne. He plays the role of Ben Moss. Now, that's the lawyer in this film. Now, a few films of note or a few things of note from him. Some people might recognize him because he's Chris Argent on all six seasons of the MTV Supernatural drama series Teen Wolf, which aired from 2011 through 2017. He also appeared on ABC's mystery drama Somewhere Between. He was also a part of uh, The 100 from 1990 through 2020. He was also a part of Stargate SG-1 as uh, Martuf and Lantash, which is actually interesting. He was CIA agent Edwards on Fox's Fringe from 2009 through 2011, who is also part of ABC's drama Revenge as well. All right, so moving forward, we've got Katherine Anderson. She plays Jean Criticos. Now, a few things of note from her, she's actually a stunt person, so she's got a lot of cool things of note from there. I think some of the X-Men films from the 2000s. She was also a part of a, an episode or two, I believe, of Sliders, the television mm. series from 1996, in the film The Art of Murder. We have Laura Manel, who plays the bound woman in this. Now, a few things of note from her. She also appeared in Alpha's Haven, Louder Milk. She was in TV's The Man in the High Castle, Watchmen, and Batwoman. All right, we have Greg Olenek. He plays the Torn Prince. A few things of note from this gentleman. He was in uh, Flower and Garnett in The Timekeeper as far as films. A few things of note as far as TV. He played the main role of Toby Logan in The Listener. He was also in an episode of Republic of Doyle and Real Detective. All right. And uh, last but not least, we have C. Ernst Harth. He plays the role of The Great Child. I don't know if we talked about him back on this episode, but he played, coincidentally, another large child back on uh, episode 44 when we reviewed Trick or Treat. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's a few right. other things of That's note crazy. from Yeah, a few other things of note from uh, C. Ernst. He's actually got some really cool shit of note, man. This is kind of interesting. Now, there was a faux or a fake boy band that MTV created. Back in the early 2000s, 2000, it was a band called Together. <laughs> We're gonna hang together, oh. you and me forever. You're the one I treasure together forever. Dude, I'm not gonna lie, I love that shit. It was yeah. so good. So good. All right, now. I know my calculus. This is you plus me. Equals Wait, was he their fucking manager? No, I wish. Oh, he okay. was uh, the Sea Doo dude in the TV movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was also in Valentine, 2001's Valentine as the doorman. He was in Tommy Chong's Best Buds, which is really neat. He was in National Lampoon's Barely Legal. He was in Air Bud Spikes Back. Boo. <laughs> he was in The Muppets Wizard of Oz, a TV movie from 2005. To hear more recently, he was in Dead Rising Watchtower in A Christmas Story 2. Mm. It's really neat. Actually, he had a recurring role in Once Upon a Time back in 2011. So, yeah, that rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup. Should give you some warnings. Warnings. Um, blood, gore, boobs. Yeah. Language. Ghosts. <laughs> yeah. 
It's machines. in the title. Machines. Yeah, machines. We're scared of machines. Uh, there's some speak of the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot. No, but, you know, I have to. I do have to mention that for, for those who roll. That covers it, right? I think so. I think so. And if not, we'll talk about the shit that happens. We're going to talk about it anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll give you a heads up just in case. Um, yeah, I think with that, then, let's get into how 13 Ghosts made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, 13 Ghosts, how did it make us squeal? Well, I guess to start with, how long has it been since you saw I know that we've both seen this movie, so. Yeah. To be fair, it's hard for me to remember, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably somewhere in the mid, late 2000s, because one of my buddies is real big into horror films, and I used to go over there and get high with Mm -hmm. him, too, and, you know, watch films, and this is one of them he used to watch, so I would say somewhere in that time period. It's been a while. Let me see. If this came out in theaters in 2001... I'd say maybe the last time I saw it was probably like 2008 sometime. Okay. Like, it's been a while. Yeah, I'd say probably like 2006-ish. Mm-hmm. Somewhere around there is probably the last time I'd seen it. Yeah, and that's allowing for the fact that I fucking dug this movie. It was probably earlier than 2008, but I might have watched it in 2008. I don't remember for sure. Yeah. I might have been like, you know what, I have a DVD player now. I'll watch it on DVD instead of yeah. VHS. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. I'm pretty sure the first time I think I saw it in theaters, but then I think the first time I saw it at home was on VHS. I did eventually see it on a DVD as well. Yeah, it's like I honestly don't think I've seen this in the theater. I could be wrong because, man, it's, it's been so long, but I, I think this is probably when I probably watched on VHS. Well, I would have been like 14 when this came out. It would have been like. Right after I got done seeing Shannon Elizabeth and American Pie, uh, sometime within that same month would have been when, or month, sometime within that same year is when, maybe month is when Jane Silent Bob Strike Back came out, which I guess I didn't see that until it was on home video, but I still would have seen the trailers for it, though. Like, I would have known she was in it and shit, like, and I was all about Nadia, so I would have wanted to see it just for her. No kidding. Hell yeah. (laughs) But also, like, 99 was the House on Haunted Hill remake. I think you're right with the year. I'm certain. So I saw that in theaters, and I knew, even though I'd never seen it, still have never seen it, I knew that this was also a 60s remake. And because I liked the last 60s remake I liked, I knew going into I was like, well, maybe I'll like this one. And, you know, spoiler alert, I fucking did. I would say that I've probably seen this movie at least 20 times. It just has not been since 2008. (laughs) Understandable. (laughs) But now for now, Danny, for you, did this movie hold up? Did you have favorable impression going forward into it anyway, I guess? You know, that's a good question, too. I want to say prior, it was kind of, I would say cloudy because I couldn't remember this film like, wholly like exactly what it was about i just remember the ghosts you know which were the things that kind of stand out about this film so i remember that much and i remember liking the ghosts but i couldn't remember if i liked the movie all around it was like oh shit it's been so long i can't fucking remember Mm -hmm. so i hate to like give you an opinion without like being honest about it so it's like honestly i didn't have much expectations i was like i knew it was a fun film so Mm -hmm. i knew if nothing else we were gonna have a good time talking about it so i can say that much going into it 
man, I don't love this movie the same way I used to, but also I realize that when I say I don't like ghost movies, I'm not talking about this one. Right. This seems to weirdly stand apart for me. I don't think of it as a ghost movie. I don't think of it as a haunted house movie. Mm -hmm. It's technically both of those. True. (laughs) True. I mean, it's hard to argue that. But I know what you're saying, though, in terms of, like, trying to categorize it or put it in a box. You know, no, I don't think it's either one of those. It just happens to have both of those in it. Like, I guess when you turn the ghosts in your movie into basically just a bunch of Mega Man villains, <laughs> then I'm suddenly on board. <laughs> Holy shit. That's fucking hilarious. That's true, though. Goddamn. I guess that's that's what it takes to get me on board with a ghost movie, is to be like, yeah, well, this one's called The Juggernaut. I guess F. Murray's fucking Eggman. <laughs> Whatever. I would love to see F. Murray Abraham play Dr. Eggman. That's Are you awesome. fucking kidding me? That's hilarious, dude. Oh, shit. Now you put it that way, it kind of makes sense. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, so 13 Ghosts. Man, like I said, my setup for the movie, you know more about this movie after the cold open because you you open with the shit in the fucking junkyard. Yeah, which is, I like that. Like, it's a cool opening. You're not really knowing exactly what's happening. Then when you figure it out, like, oh, shit, okay, cool. And, you know, and then there's things that happen that whole series of events that leads to other things, mm. you know? Oh, I guess I'm going to back it up for a second. I also barely remembered fucking jack shit about this movie. That's kind of, like I said, that's kind of where I was at. I couldn't have told you a fucking thing. I knew, I remembered Matthew Lillard was in it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have told you a thing about his fucking character. I remembered F. Murray Abraham. I did remember F. Murray Abraham was the bad guy. I didn't remember that he faked his death, but I remembered that he was around at the end. So when I saw him die in the opening. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, well, that's fake. <laughs> that's I remembered that Miss Honey turns traitor, but I didn't remember the circumstances. I'd forgotten that. I forgot she was even in the fucking movie, so. And, oh, the only other thing I remember is the fucking the torn prince <laughs> whacking his fucking baseball bat off of the, the fucking thing. Yeah. There's things like that. I remember some of the, like I said, some of the ghosts, they stood out. The jackal, mm-hmm. the juggernaut. I didn't remember the jackal at all. I, I, if you would have, I didn't remember the juggernaut, but I did remember what the fucking hammer or whatever. Yeah, the hammer. Yeah, I remember the hammer. Yeah, I remember them. Of course, you know the angry princess. I remember them, but there was a few others I'd forgotten about. And I remember mix. the angry princess was naked, but I couldn't yeah. remember what she looked like or anything. Nah, you know, there's some things that we all remember, but <laughs> <laughs> other things are foggy. <laughs> I didn't remember the torso. I was like, it was just like a snippet. I didn't remember the kid. No. I didn't remember the bound wall. I knew, no, I guess in my head, the angry princess and the bound woman were kind of conflated. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. I forgot about the great child and the dire mother. Like, yeah, uh, completely forgotten about yeah, that. Like, well, oh, yeah, forgotten about that. But like I said, there was a few that I did remember, and they're the ones that kind of stand on anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, but... Everything else, like I said, I couldn't tell you shit. I forgot what the fucking, like the kid. I forgot him. I forgot yeah. Maggie, the nanny. Yeah, I Everybody else, forgot about Maggie. The lawyer. <laughs> the whole other team of liberators, if you will. So, All right. So, yeah, the movie opens with them capturing the juggernaut. That's actually, it's pretty cool. I mean, that's if you're going to open up a film like this, that's a decent opening. 
it's weird because they like try to explain stuff while not explaining the fucking thing. No, why does the blood vague. work for them? I don't know, but you need fucking. It just works, bro. That's all you need to know. They really did dumb this kind of down for the audience. I did have a question while I was watching the fucking scene play out. I'm like, so if you're wearing the specs, you can see the ghost. And we see that throughout the movie. This sets that up, you know, you know, later on when they put on the specs, you know, they can see the fucking ghost. Every time we see the ghosts, they're moving like normal people, right? Like they're walking around and <laughs> doing all sorts of shit like that. Yeah. They might be strong or fast, but they're not doing crazy shit. So what the fuck, what were they seeing the juggernaut do when there was guys up at the very edge of the fucking junk canyon getting fucking ripped apart and then like it'd be over on the other side and the guy's getting fucking pulled into the fucking trunk and shit. I know what you're saying. It's, I, you know, I don't it know, looks man. cool it's until you think about it. Yeah, it's like, and I'm not going to knock on it. No, 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 no. But I'm going to bring it up. If you're going to be you know, critical and things. Yeah, I mean, there, there's going to be some questions in this film. <laughs> I'm bringing it up more because it's funny to think in my head yeah. of the juggernaut, like, bounding around like a fucking bunny rabbit up to Just up and down people. the fucking yeah. sides of that fucking junk canyon. I mean, if I'm going to be supernatural, I hope that's in my bag of tricks. <laughs> right. I mean, realistically, he's probably just, like, teleporting to each one, right? I would think so. That's more likely. Pull on some of that fucking ghost magic. Hell yeah, why not? You, you mean you? But can, then why not fucking teleport all the time? That's kind of where I'm at too. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of those questions too that raises more questions. I understand it's for the rule of cool in the fucking movie, and well, I do um, really enjoy the fucking scene. But when you sit there and think <laughs> about it, like they're seeing what's going on, which means they're either seeing him teleport around, yeah, which, which means why, why the fuck are you trying to run? He could just fucking teleport behind. Yeah, you. you're there's fucked already, bro. Bitch, you're done. There's no escaping that. Or they're watching him, like, I, I just said hopping like a bunny. Almost more funny is it, like, if he's, like, scampering up and down on, like, all fours, just like. That'd be hilarious. Or that stupid baseball scene in Twilight. That yeah. kind of running after the baseball and stuff, shit. like that kind of dumb shit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like, something like that. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> There's a reason they didn't show us. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, it's because it's dumb as fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ooh, if we really think about this and try to flush this out, it's gonna look dumb. <laughs> that might be dumb. Fun, super yeah, fun. I agree. Really enjoyed it. Just don't think too much about it. Along with some other parts of the movie, we'll get there. But that opening credit sequence is fucking perfection. That's from a movie fifteen times better than this one, and I enjoy this movie. <laughs> but holy shit, the storytelling in that opening credit sequence. Yeah. Holy shit. Blown away. You get to find out everything that happened to the family. And it's it's kind of neat how they do it, too. I, I give them credit there for not having to spend X amount of time trying to give you all that when they, they just did it right there in a span of, what, a minute and two minutes, yeah. something like that, however long it was. Minute, a little yeah. expo that you got. And I don't you, even think it's it. Yeah, like a minute. And while only seeing the actors at the beginning and the end, you see the family go through this entire transition in their lives. So that was clever, man. Super clever. And the fucking tragedy and shit. I, I was blown away. I was like, holy shit. The only thing that's funny <laughs> is that you have this fucking... <laughs> 
Oh my god, you have this fucking like tragic tale being told in this wonderfully artistic way. And if you're actually paying attention to the credits, about two thirds the way through, and introducing Raw Digga. I know. <laughs> like, what the fuck? That's funny. With F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> and you're like, hey, I know that guy. It, it's kind of telling of the time period too like how they were doing things cinematically mm-hmm it's that's kind of indicative of it okay look speaking of telling of the time we've both brought her up <laughs> Shannon Elizabeth does a fine job on this movie nothing wrong with her performance but the only reason she's in this movie is because they were chasing heat because of American Pie right oh without a doubt that's kind of Face recognition, not necessarily name, but face recognition for sure. Because she, even though she does a fine job, she doesn't really seem to fit in this movie. No, she's, uh, I mean, she's a secondary character, but uh, I mean, it's kind of how I feel about the kid, too. The kid doesn't do a terrible job. No, but he's not. But it's hard to get good performances out of kids. Mm, Like this kid. Yeah. They gave him an interesting little quirk. Yes, they gave him a quirk that he's, like, into murders and all this macabre kind of stuff. But then they never really go any further with it. Especially, or considering that he's in a house full of ghosts and shit. I was about to say, it kind of doesn't matter once they get to the house, other than maybe he's not quite as freaked out as he would have been if he was a normal kid when he I ends suppose, up in the basement. But, but we don't really see that that's for kinda, sure. Yeah, I'll tell you, that's even kind of debatable, because he still freaks out. <laughs> Honestly, he still freaks out, and but the saving it, grace yeah. in the basement is his mom. Yep. 100%. I don't know. He probably still shouldn't have been that safe getting as far through the basement as he did, but... I mean, <laughs> take this with a grain of salt, but, like, thankfully none of these ghosts were pedophiles. He <laughs> <laughs> would have been fucked. Now... None of them were pedophiles, but the jackal was a serial rapist, which, when you think about mm. the fact when he attacks Shannon Elizabeth and pretty much just shreds her clothes the first time. Uh-oh. Like, oh. So, yeah, shit happens. The mom dies. Family's on hard times. Lawyer shows up. They've inherited this fucking house from F. Murray Abraham, who is supposed to be quote-unquote dead thanks to that opening scene when they're capturing the jackal. Yeah. And or not the jackal, the juggernaut. Right, and he is the uncle of Arthur, mm-hmm. cause, which is Tony Shalhoub's character. And that's the connection there. And so that's why he's inheriting this estate. They go up, place is fucking crazy. Now asking would you want that house is a loaded question, because I just want a house. Yeah, no, I, I got you there. I mean, it's a dope-ass house. It's a dope house, but how much would you really want that house? Not really. <laughs> I can say this, right? If there were, like, no strings attached, 100% no strings attached, like, you know, you inherit that, I would just look to put it on the market, see what I can get for it. I'd probably at least try living in it for a touch. Oh, yeah, why not? Give it a try, at least. But if it doesn't a glass fit, house? Or, yeah, no thanks. I don't man. know, That's man. That's, I, I'm already seeing in my future having to set up, like, one room just to be like the TV room where I just drapes and shit everywhere yeah. just to keep out fucking glare and shit. That's not much privacy at all. And you, know, you get a real dickhead just start throwing shit through your house. Right? No thanks. <laughs> I mean, that I shit just, was yeah. all supposed to be like shatterproof that's, and shit. You know, though, that's right? all the point too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's trapping spirits and shit too, so yeah. 
I would imagine. Because like, otherwise it was pretty dope. Kinda? Yeah, kinda. Kinda. I mean, it's interesting, like the kid said, it's futuroic. <laughs> Fuck out of here, that dumb shit. But no, I mean, the house itself, it's interesting. Like, even for the time period, it's still kind of... I get what he's saying. It's futuristic. Um, it's, I don't know, not necessarily, but it's interesting mm-hmm. aesthetically. Let's put it that way. Would you want it, if you could control it, would you want it to be able to shift around That'd the way kinda, it does? I'd be kind of interesting if you were at a house party and fucking around with people and stuff. <laughs> just for shit's late at night, everyone's getting drunk. Yeah, and you just like, switch the house around <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> no one's leaving, I promise. I mean, that's like a good, you know, like little, little, I don't know, thing that you can do to keep people from fucking drunk driving. I mean, you make a killing on it as an Airbnb. Oh, dude, you could. That's smart, too. That is really smart. I didn't think about that. People would want to fucking pay out the ass to stay you know, there for a fucking weekend the on place their vacation. Could pay for itself, yeah. Property taxes and everything else, just Airbnb it. Mm-hmm. The entire year, you don't have to live there if you don't want to. Just, yeah, like you just said. That'd be sweet. Every once in a while, head up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, you know, weekend out in the woods. Precisely. Nobody little, around for miles. Do a little maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're having a super side tangent, but I mean, still, it's the house is in the fucking movie. This is legit conversation, stoner conversation. <laughs> I just, it's a fucking crazy house. I can't think I of just, another house that we've reviewed. I'm that like, this is super nice. Looks like this. That's the weird thing, though, because like, it's super, super fucking nice. It really is. But I don't know how much I could actually stand living there. That's where I'm at, too. It's like, ah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I Without really trying it on, if you mm-hmm. will, it's hard to really say. But just from the outside opinion, it's like, ah, I don't know how much I'm into it. Like, you'd have to sell me. Oh, like, give me some selling points on it. Yeah. Have to really get a chance to walk through. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm also just thinking, man, all those fucking hard surfaces and glass when it comes to recording, our voices would sound so tinny and shit. Like That's a solid point. Who knows? I don't know. I think I have to pass on the glass house. Uh, give, give me the house the Jack built. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hell yeah. <laughs> anyway, house is dope. Lawyers showing them around. Fucking Matthew Lillard's back. We didn't really talk about him at all. Best character in the movie. Yeah, I, I love Matthew. It's... Really telling, I think, too, if you look at a little bit of his performance in Scream with the physical acting, because he's really good at that. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that about him. Because he will, he'll get into his character, and then he'll get emotional, and he likes to slobber a lot. (laughs) He does that in this film. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, for a character who's psychic and who's, I would say, maybe an empath as well, Mm -hmm. I mean, because he's experiencing things i would i would think that takes a certain amount of empathy he does a pretty decent job of emoting that yeah even though i mean it can be a little silly at times it's still not bad well because his shit sucks though like he he explains it at a point yeah it's like seizures and he gets with it he gets close to any he can't touch people yeah it seems like he can't touch most things it's kind of yeah i mean it's a it's a blessing and a curse if you will Mm -hmm. yeah so i get it don't touch me (laughs) But he's fucking great. He's yes. there posing oh. as the electricity guy. That even that's fucking funny. It's like <laughs> knocked all the power out in the tri quad area. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, tri quad. Y- y'all ain't listening to him, are you? No, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> exactly. That's it's. He does a good job, and he gets in the home, and he's 
looking for the breaker, right? But the thing that we haven't noted either is the fact that the home is covered in these spells that are in Latin, and there are like what barrier spells mm-hmm. that keep the ghost from fucking around. That shit's dope. Super cool, thought out, like I fucking agree. set design and shit. I like it. And not your not your standard haunted house. It's not. It's definitely not. This one's made to be haunted. Yeah, that's the difference. Is like this one isn't quote unquote naturally haunted. Yeah, like they brought the ghost to this fucking place. Like, okay, I'm down. That's just somebody needs to keep playing with that idea. That's just a good idea. That's more akin to like it's like Ghostbuster shit almost. Yeah, I was gonna say more like on Halloween where you go to a quote unquote haunted house, spooky house kind of mm-hmm. shit. You know what I mean? That's more of a setup. <laughs> That's kind of what this is. This is a setup. As fucking Lillard freaks out after, I can't remember, did he go down in the basement? Yeah, he went down the basement yep. and he saw what was going on. Yeah. The lawyer fucking dips. Because he just wants to get his fucking money and get out. Yep, exactly. And he's the one who actually sets everything in motion. Mm-hmm. Unintentionally. Right, I mean, he doesn't know that, of course, but yes. He knows enough that he's a complete asshole for putting the family in this situation to begin with because he knows what's going to happen to him mm-hmm. or is what's supposed to happen to him. But he didn't try to set it into motion himself. No, 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 no. He is just another piece in this whole mm-hmm. scheme. I think if you think of what a lawyer stereotypically is, it's kind of slimy, he doesn't really care. He just ended for the money. He did it perfect. He set the family. All he knew is like he needs to get this family in here. He's going to get his cut of the money. And he's out. You know what? Even he's pretty funny though in his reactions to the family and shit. Just his physical acting. He's good. Cause like, fucking with the kid perking up when he finds out the uncle died and him's just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, weirdo. <laughs> that shit was good. And I say everybody does a good job on their performance. You Shaloub's can't great. That. Yes, he is. He does a good job. But yeah, he goes to get his money, doing so, uh, lets off the fucking gas, that's or the brake, I guess, in this case. Yeah, it's just, I guess these mechanical mechanisms, it sets those things in motion, and that's kind of releasing the ghosts down there in the basement. Okay, so the whole point is this place was built to open up a fucking portal to hell that would basically allow a person to know the future. Mm-hmm. With past, present, future, what have With you. some really shitty Latin. Yes. <laughs> but, so the what's getting set into motion is the mechanism for the entire house, which is this, it's not a house, it's no, a... No, it's a machine. It's a machine, it's a, a mechanism, it's a fucking hell portal. So the ghosts are going to get slowly let out, and they all correspond to the Black Zodiac, and now the family has to survive. That's most of the rest of the movie. Let's talk about the fucking ghosts. Okay, I'm down. Because that's probably the most interesting part of the rest of the action. I think so. (laughs) Because, I guess, here's why I think it's the, the most interesting part of the rest of the action. Hardly anyone else dies. That's true. Very unfortunately, this isn't a flick like Rumadara, where they have ingenious ways of oh, finding, yeah. continuing to find to bring more people in to end up as victims. Yeah, for the slaughter. In this one, you have a family that you're attached to that they let live. So who are the victims going to be? Right. 
And it's like not many. No. If you let me see one, two, three in the house that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, just three. Twelve ghosts. Yeah, dude. Three victims. Yes, for the is rest the of the problem film. with this movie. <laughs> I like this movie. I enjoy this movie. No, I, There's I, a I big problem with this it. movie. And it's that some of the ghosts are useless based on what we see. Yeah, it's kind of And they shouldn't be. Considering the brevity of what they are supposed to be setting thing, you know, setting this machine in motion, like they are needed, but you don't really feel it. The way they explain some of the the ghost shit in this movie too is that these ghosts were all chosen because they fit certain archetypes. However, part of them fitting this certain archetype is that they are also ghosts that died in like violent, terrible ways, mostly violence. Right. I can't remember. I mean, it must've been fucking Lillard cause he's the one that mostly knows about ghosts, but he has some line in there that says that basically these ghosts that are formed by the violent circumstances continue to get worse in death because they kind of relive it or they, they never shake that they were created by this violence and it's just always a part of them and they seem to get worse and worse. And yeah, that's even why, in like, death. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, I guess a, a compounding of what happened in, in the physical form and now mm-hmm. it's translating over into the spiritual world as opposed, which first off, that means there's a lot of really shitty ghosts on Earth. These ones just happen to fucking fit certain archetypes. I know. Well, a good example of what you're saying is actually in the opening when Cyrus and everybody else in that opening sequence is trying to get the Juggernaut because there's another little bit of expo where Matthew Lillard, you know, he puts his hand on the ground and he's like, you didn't tell me he had 40, you know, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, well, he killed nine while he was alive. So that implies that 31 were killed while he's been in this spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's a bad dude. <laughs> but, yeah, according to the expo- different exposition that we're given about these ghosts through the course of the movie, because they were all killed in these violent ways, they're supposed to keep getting worse and worse after death. We <laughs> don't ever see that. I know, man. It's kind of... All right. And they've got fun designs. Can B did a great job. Yeah, they did. I, They're not the I'm most not, graphic, but I'm not like knocking it, but the designs look good. Like the ghosts themselves are interesting, but I don't think they're utilized to their max. Is what it sounds like. I mean, you're kind of getting mm-hmm. at. So I agree with that, man. It's that's kind of the, if you want, the downside of some of this film. So that makes the ghosts themselves just the most interesting thing about the last half of the movie. Yeah. Unfortunately, I know. I'm like kind of curious about it. You get glimpses of a few. And there is, what, three, I would say, that are kind of the focal. Well, maybe four that are the focal outside of Gene, you know, yeah. the, the wife, Juggernaut the mother. and the Jackal, mm-hmm. mostly, right. for the heavy hitters. Yeah, then you got the Hammer. The Hammer and the Torn Prince are the next. Yeah, uh, you could say those. those uh, the Hammer. Actually, I would say that the top three that are focused on are probably the Jackal, the Juggernaut, and the Angry Princess. Uh, yep. I would argue that, too. Followed by Torn Prince and the Hammer. Mm -hmm. So there's five, at least right there. And after that would probably be Bound Woman, Mm -hmm. Mother. Yep. And her son, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
the grown the great no i'm sorry i meant their mother oh okay yeah 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 that makes sense the lover or whatever withered lover withered lover and then sort of a tie between the rest of them true that's a solid point man uh what's the the pilgrimess actually shows up a few times times. but she mostly just like waggles and (laughs) yells in front of the camera yeah it's that's kind of like the kid too he's not it's just like okay I mean, it's unfortunate how he died and all that stuff, but it's just like, okay, cool. But now, yeah. I mean, Lillard was scared of him, and we know that he helped catch the ghosts, so he probably has reason to be scared of him, but he's kind of just looking at them creepily. Oh, man. Damn. Hold on. This is going to sound fucked up. Hmm. (laughs) All right. Just hear me out. Hear me out on this. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, I, I know this is all conjecture, so take it with a grain of salt, but... If we're gonna play, I was like, huh, I might have, I might have missed my words a little too early with the whole pedophile thing. Uh, there's kids <clears throat> that they send out that are kind of like the entrapment kids to bring in other kids. Oh, I'm kind of like, oh no, this is kind of like I want to play. <laughs> like no, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm doing this all in jest, but. Yeah, other than that, the kid really doesn't pose a threat. I don't think. Other than to, like, such as a kid I mean, that brings people in. More of a threat than the fucking torso. Oh, yeah. Like, the torso is like, I would have fucking booted that dude. <laughs> That's the thing. Get like, the fuck out of here. All of them you could have done something with. You would think, and, yeah. you, and here's the thing. If you find a way to make the torso scary, that's going to stick with the audience. Of course. Because there's shit you make that can thing do. Good cra- if this was like a Brian Yuzna or, or Stuart Gordon, they would have done some creepy shit. Yeah. Like probably, some, I hate to say it, but up. like probably some molestation kind of stuff. <laughs> but regardless, it would have done. There also would have been shit. some, like the torso would have been some crazy body horror shit. Yes, and it probably would have been strong as fuck. And you could have went real dark and creepy with a kid. Yes, you could, certainly could have. And I, I'm wondering how much studio has to do with that too. You know, because it's Warner Brothers, it's a pretty big studio. Well, and time period 2001. Oh, you know, we did talk about it. You have to think. It, it has been noted that this was filmed also, if I'm not mistaken, like during um, September 11th attacks. Well, it came out by end of October, so it was probably getting finalized about yeah, that. Yeah, probably it would have post, been shot. I think you're right, in post-production, so that we mm-hmm. would reshoots if they needed it. But even then, I was going to say, we haven't had, like, the torture porn hitting mainstream bit yet. Yeah. You're right, because we're still coming off of, like, a lot of teen horror. Mm-hmm. And this kind of fits a little bit in that realm, too. So, like, a lot of these ghosts look pretty fucked up, but when you look at them, they're pretty clean looking. That's true. Even, yeah, even for... The cuts are mostly bloodless. You can see the cuts. Like, there's... It's that's, fucked up looking. But it's not it's the combination clean. of blood and gore. Especially considering K&B... Mm-hmm. They could have made it look real nasty. They could have, yeah. Yes, they wanted they to, if they really wanted. I'm not saying that they can't, because we know better than that. But. And I think it's just more time period than anything else. I, I think that's a solid point to make. And considering, too, that this is a U.S. and Canadian venture, the odds are they're going to tame it down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, with the amount of nudity in it, they obviously weren't going for too tame, which is yeah. kind of... A little bit why I'm so bummed, too, about not all the ghosts getting to shine. Yeah, that's solid. But I think 
you know, you, you're making a good point uh, to consider the time period. I know we've mentioned this before in other films, but you kind of you have to take those things into consideration if you're going to do this fairly. Mm-hmm. It still feels like a waste, though, with so many right. ghosts. I'm not saying it's a, a good or a bad thing. It's just it, it is what it is. It's But, <laughs> you know, looking at it now, it's like, ew, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know we've, we've kind of talked about them a couple times, but let's bring up each one. Do you have them all or in order or in, in some order? Yeah, I'm not just looking at okay. right here on the Wikipedia. So the way they have this set up is uh, the first one, mm-hmm. the firstborn, the kid that we were talking about. And his name is Billy Michaels. From what you get, in, I mean, there's a little bit of expo, I think, in all these characters. Yeah. But apparently one day he was challenged to a duel from like another little kid. He had a little cap gun. Some kid found like a real steel-tipped arrowhead and shot it through the back of Billy's head. And that's pretty much how he became a ghost. Yep. I don't know exactly how he was captured or any of that stuff, but... I know that there, he was a little shit and would throw fits if you took him away from his TV westerns. Yeah, he said he was a little bratty. Yeah, loved to pretend he was a cowboy, so, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense. All right, uh, the second one would be the torso, Jimmy, the gambler, Gambino... He gambling lost, debts. yeah, gambling debts. Apparently, he tried to make off with some money that he lost, and the I guess the bookie and the boxer who won found him, chopped him up, tossed him in some body of water. There's that, and now he's fucking useless. Yes, like what the fuck? I get it, but that's more for effects. That's mm-hmm. more just visual. All right, we have the bound woman, Susan LeGros. She's a rich girl, very popular. Her one flaw was that she toyed a lot with boys and men. Says during her prom night, she was killed by her ex named Chet Walters, who was a star quarterback, after he caught her cheating with another boy. Right? He buried her at the 50-yard line. That's where they found her, and now she lures kids, and in this case, Bobby, into the basement and all that shit. And his mom's like, don't follow her. All right. Speaking of his mom, the withered lover happens to be Jean Criticos, which is Arthur, Tony Shalhoub's wife. And um, she died as a result of a fire, but she sustained injuries where she died at St. Luke's Hospital, right? Hence, she's a fourth because they also connected with her IV, walking around with the IV. Oh, shit. Yep. It's kind of neat. All right. All right. So let's pause it there for a second. Makes me think of something that I was going to bring up earlier. Yeah, for sure. But while we're talking about her, did F. Murray Abraham have the fire started? Oh, damn, probably. Hell yeah, you know, he's dirty as fuck. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't give a single fuck. He probably, you're right, you know, knowing the story, if we're going to go from the they little threads. They never even hint at No, right, but the little threads that we do get. Why wouldn't he? Exactly. He even has his great niece and nephew set up in this predicament where they need a 13th ghost, which I know we haven't talked about yet, mm-hmm. but it's not out of the realm that he would have said all this shit in motion to begin with. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe which is misfortune, but I doubt it. Yeah. I kind of, too much of a coincidence. I kind of kept thinking about it. I'm like, did he just set all of this up? Cause he has fucking crazy ass house in the middle of nowhere. Why wouldn't motherfucker he? Got a, a machine house. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? <laughs> Anyway, all right. Wilted like Lovers. Number She's five. Number five is the Torn Prince, Royce Clayton. He was gifted and a famous teenage baseball player in the 1950s. Got the eye of all these colleges around the USA. 
Uh, he was also known as the Greaser, which he liked to race cars. And unfortunately, he died as a result of his brake lines being cut during a race where he went over a cliff, died in a horrific accident. Hence why the right side of his body is all fucked up and mangled. Right? And he carries a baseball bat. All right. Next, we have the Angry Princess. Her name was Dana Newman. Very beautiful. Unfortunately for her, she was abused, you know, physically, mm -hmm. psychologically, so she never really realized her real beauty, right? She wound up getting all these plastic surgeries, you know, which included boob jobs, some botched surgeries as well. Apparently one day while she was working at a doctor's office, she went in and started performing her own surgeries on herself. So she pretty much mutilated herself. Because of her perceived manipulation, uh, she wound up committing suicide in her bathroom with a knife where she commenced to cutting herself. All right. We have the Pilgrimess, who is Isabella Smith. She came to North America as a colonist. She began her new life after being an orphan in England, mm -hmm. right? She was a part of a tight-knit community. She was ostracized, ignored, scapegoated. She was accused of being a witch. There had been crops and animals mysteriously dying. Apparently, they uh, set her up to burn in a barn, but she escaped unharmed. And then they so they're wound like, witch? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? So they wound up starving her to death where um, she was condemned to pillory. Her skin is badly damaged. So, I mean, basically, she starved to death, right? They set her up in this, like, the pillory's, like, this block. The stocks. Yeah, exactly. And that's how, that's basically how she should come to her death. Okay. Okay, wait. So this is another one where it's, like, because of that dialogue. What the fuck? She could have been a witch. Well, because of uh, what I was referencing before. Yeah. She died in this fucking violent manner that caused her to turn into a ghost. So she's been reliving it. For, in her case, almost 200 years now, she should be the fucking scariest one. You would think, fuck yeah. Fuck the jackal. I know. I'm kind of more curious about her. Okay. We have the great child and the dire mother, so they're part of... They're a duo. Exactly. So, Harold Shelburne and his mother, Margaret Shelburne, right? Now, the great child... He is mentally disabled, right? He outgrew his diapers, et cetera, et cetera. He's just a big boy. Now, here's what happened. They were a part of a freak show, right? She was raped by the tall man. Do you think it was? Dude, there's some weird parallels. I'll bring this up here in just a minute. All right. Now, he was in this. He was a circus freak as well. Now, because she had, you know, this great child, she pretty much nurtured him, but she was a very flawed mother. She was a child herself, mm -hmm. right? Now, even a part of the, the freak show, they kind of ostracized her. Now, they were going to pull a prank, like the rest of the freaks at the freak show were trying to pull a prank on the great child by kidnapping his mother, put her in a sack. Unfortunately for her, she suffocated. Now, out of a fit of rage, he pretty much killed the entire freak show. Everybody. Right, and they kind of Frankenstein, I mean, yeah, they Frankenstein monstered his ass, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they went after him, pigeon fork, whatever, and he said he said came to that. All right. Now the next we have is the hammer. Uh, this guy unfortunately was a blacksmith during, um, I guess it would be post slavery in like the eighteen nineties, what they attribute to. But he be he I would imagine he was probably a former slave. I want to back it up to the great child just okay. real quick. 
So the great child would then be the only one of the ghosts that doesn't show how they died. That's true. But it kind of does. The original script said that the great child died from choking. Oh, that's interesting. On food that his mom gave him. Which, yeah. when you first, you know, when they're doing the first oh, introduction okay. of them yeah. all, and they're like, and you, they cut to them, he's got like a bunch right. of fucking vomit and spittle and shit coming out of his mouth. Kind of like an enabler. She's just, yeah, she's a feeder. But they thought that I was too lame and changed it when they went to fi- actually shoot the fucking thing. Yeah, and I'm seeing Harris is like, apparently the circus owner had the kid, the kid mutilated beyond recognition, but his ghost appears as his self before mm-hmm. that, so. Whereas, because yeah. all the others, like, the hammer's still mutilated. Right, he's fucked up, so. Like, the Torn Prince has his fucking Two-Face thing yeah. going on, like. Exactly, everybody else kind of retains what happened before their death. Interestingly enough. Okay, so the hammer. Happy, honest family man, blacksmith. His name was George McKelly. He was falsely accused of stealing uh, by a higher upper named Nathan, right? And uh, Nathan and I guess a group of men, they wound up lynching his wife and his kids and they set the bodies on fire. Mm -hmm. And of course, in a fit of rage, he went and killed Nathan and all those people. And of course, the townsfolk... They went after him. They chained him up to a tree. They drove railroad spikes into his body. They also cut off his left hand. And, of course, they crudely attached a hammer. Mm-hmm. Hence why he's got the hammer hand. And, um, yeah, his ghost is one of the more of the angrier spirits. All right? We've got two he more. He hangs out with Candyman on weekends. Candyman. Candyman, bitch. <laughs> All right, we've got the Jackal. Now, this guy was born to a prostitute in 1887. His name is Ryan Cunn. He developed a sick appetite for women. This is the guy you were talking about who likes to attack and rape. Mm-hmm. He liked to rape stray women and prostitutes at night. He actually voluntarily went to Bormwood Institute. It, it was a weird one. When you read into the Jackal, he was... A fucking horrendous human, but he realized he had a problem and, in fact, tried to go get help. Right, but it only made him worse because of the treatment he was, Mm -hmm. treatment, you know, we're quoting here, that he was receiving, right? So he spent years in solitary confinement. Um, They pretty much fucked him up, right? It got to the point where he went and attacked, I guess, some people. They put him in a straitjacket, really tight to the point where he, like, his lips was drying. Then they put him in that head mm-hmm. gear, you know, that's um, like a cubic head cage. And uh, now this is really the only inference to the devil of any of these ghost associations because they said it. Uh, it's called, or he was called the sign of hell's winter. Oh, right. Right, and he is... One of the more aggressive and violent ghosts. All right. Now, last but not least, we have the juggernaut, Horace Breaker Mahoney, the guy at the beginning of the film. Very disfigured. He was uh, an outcast his entire life. His mother abandoned him. Yep. His uh, dad put him out to work in the junkyard because of his unusual strength. He could crush cars. says after his dad died, he pretty much went insane. Uh, He would take to motorists and hitchhikers, pretty much tear them apart with his bare hands, and then feed the remains to his dogs. Says after several of these murders, the SWAT team came after him and they pretty much shot him up. So you can see uh, like all these bullet wounds and shit mm-hmm. all over his body. So we've already mentioned he killed nine while he was alive, forty total. So you do the math, right? Thirty one's the answer. So 
Yeah, that's all your ghosts. Now, we did allude to the 13th ghost. So the 13th ghost, supposed to be, and this, cool. We got through the boring part of the movie, which is <laughs> just all the action where nobody's dying. Yes. 13th ghost is supposed to be Tony Shalhoub at the end. It's supposed to be set up so that his kids are in this death trap. He's supposed to sacrifice himself. He's even been told this by the fucking mole, Miss Honey. Yes. Then he sort of realizes that, like, wait, he needs 13 ghosts to make this work? Why would I make this work? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh, shit. Like, what the, what's the point of me becoming the 13th ghost to make this machine work? Man, think about this for a second. Just for Which is really funny because it is a really dumb part of the script, and yeah. it's really funny to have your character realize how dumb of a plan that is what and just be fuck? like, wait, no. I know. The fuck? <laughs> and not only that, this, this is what I was going to say. We need to, we don't need to, but I just want to put a little earmark here. If you think about it, too, all of this shit happens over the course of a day, mm -hmm. right? So anybody who's going through this, you know, even if you're thinking about this in movie terms, it's like, what the fuck is happening right now? This is crazy. Like, I went from tripping over my kid's fucking scooter earlier and spilling coffee all over myself to having to sacrifice myself. And this is my shit. What the fuck are you talking about? Sell this house. <laughs> you could argue. What the hell? That the actual 13th ghost ends up being Matthew Lillard. Reminding him that that's a fucking stupid thing to go do. Yeah, he's like, hey, bro, you know, this movie ain't over yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, uh, that's where I think in retrospect, you know, this movie is 21 years old almost mm -hmm. now. <laughs> like, it's kind of silly that you have Shannon Elizabeth and that little kid right there in the middle of this machination. And any wrong little move from them, they're fucked. And on top of the machine breaking down mm -hmm. around them, a little far-fetched Tony's going to be jumping through shit like that. Yeah, Tony never makes it through that thing. No, no, no. I'm sorry, Dad. You're not making it. I mean, you know, it's it's all in good faith and all that good stuff. And, you know, for the movie's sake, he makes it and all that good stuff. But I'm just like, no one's making it out of that house, dude. No. No. Fuck no. no. Although, fucking at the end, oh. Rod Digger fucking, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, it's played up for comedic effect. But I'm leaking back now. I'm like, ooh, damn, that's that's a little stereotyping yeah. and shit. You know what I mean? But it's I, still I mean, funny it's though. Yes, yeah. of course. And that's the that's the point. It's played up for a comedic effect, and it I get it because who else? I'm like, no, nah, I'm done. Fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> that's that's what she's saying. But you know, so in retrospect, like I said, looking at this film now and thinking about it, not only that, but you know, this is a remake too. This is kind of interesting because I've never seen. The original either. either. So it's got me curious. Here's something I did read about. This is kind of interesting. In the original, they see the ghost through a pair of special glasses, and In the, the audience had to wear those glasses. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's kind of cool, because that's what these glasses are doing, you know. So at least they were doing some of that. And I think the use of family as well, that's kind of the common thread in this film and the original as well. And then other than that, I couldn't tell you much. <laughs> I don't know outside of that. Did you read about any of the other gimmicks that William Castle tried to do with his? Because that was his thing, was like his movies That's really neat, had though. gimmicks. So the Spectrovision, was that what it was called? I would imagine so. Illusiono okay, is Illusiono. what the 13 Ghosts one was called. It was 
God, how did it work? It was like everything on screen, like the normal film was ran with a, like a slightly blue filter, mm. but the ghosts were filmed with a, were plated on with like a red filter. And then you would wear basically 3D glasses, but they weren't, it wasn't both colors. It was like only the red. Mm. So it would make, or it was only the blue. So it would make the red from the ghost pop. So the. That's really cool. They couldn't see the ghosts because they were just plated on, but the audience could see the ghosts. That's really cool. Yeah, I know what you're saying as far as no people in the film can see the ghosts, mm -hmm. but we could as the audience. Yeah, that's really cool. House on Haunted Hill had Emerjo. Huh. And there's a part in the movie where the skeleton raises up, and in select showings, he had a skeleton with glowing red eyes. Uh ran on wires that would pop up out from behind That's the screen hilarious. at the right time. That's really cool. The Tingler was filmed in Percepto, and I think it was basically he just had, like, vibrating chairs of some short sort. <laughs> yeah, he did. I'll bet you the mom's like that movie. <laughs> oh, um, one of his movies, Homicidal, its gimmick was, like, right before the end sequence there was a 45 second fright break where huh. the audience could go up to and leave. They had a minute to go get up and leave and go request their refund and leave the theater. If they were too frightened to continue. Wow. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm out, dude. This movie's too much. That's hilarious. Uh, there was another one called Mr. Sardonicus. We're at certain screenings. There was a poll taken with an alternate ending, and like huh. the audience had could two different color like that things that really they could cool. raise up, but nobody ever chose to. They never saw the alternate ending. No audience ever gave the show the killer mercy option. No kidding. Wow, that's really cool. I mean, at least it gave that, but wow, that's really cool. But it also looks like some of them were kind of lame. There's a there's a few others. I'm not going to list all of them, but, no, but like one of them cool. is just like everybody was given a glow in the dark coin because it had something to do with the movie. Like still, but it's creative. That makes the movie going experience unique to other films. So it's going to make it stand out. So for him, as far as marketing goes, that's pretty ingenious. Mm hmm. Oh, this one's sorry. I was I just said I wasn't going to list them all, but I was just reading a few others, and they're kind of neat. Like another one was called Thirteen Frightened Girls. Huh, neat. So he did a worldwide hunt for fifteen beautiful girls, and then filmed slightly different versions to highlight the girl in the country that she was from upon its release. Interesting. Hmm. Gotta question those motives. <laughs> <laughs> question the motives. <laughs> but yeah, shit like that. <clears throat> yeah. All of his shit had gimmicks. That is interesting, man. Like so that's that's pretty genius thinking for that time period too. Mm-hmm. So you have to give him some credit there, if nothing else. And I don't know, man, like it's not a gimmick, but the thirteen ghosts themselves. I know we just listed through them all, we talked about them a little bit, but I remember when I was watching this movie a shit ton as a kid, that's what kept me coming back was, especially the first few times, like I said, I was watching it on VHS, so I didn't know anything about the ghosts. Yeah. So I was like, these each have a story. 
They make it very obvious <laughs> in the movie that they all okay, have a story. Know, there's an expo dump. And so I used to wonder what the fucking story was. And then it was like early days of the internet, like looking up the movie. Like, what did they yeah. say? And then eventually getting the DVD. And then the special features, you have F. Murray oh, Abraham man. telling all of them and shit. And it was... No, it, it makes it more interesting, more thoughtful. Once again, it's it's a product of its time period because now it's like everything that we need to know about this film and more is indisposable at this point. Yeah, just look at it's 20 right seconds. There. You right look there. it up on your fucking phone. That's how easy it is. But not in 2001. Uh, nope. So I do like that, man. It, it does make learning about the films and things like that more interesting and you become a little bit more attached to it. And I would imagine for you as well for this time period you're a little bit younger than i am mm -hmm. so this one probably would have stuck a little bit more rightfully have, so and i understand why too i would have been 14 when it came out so yeah and so it's more impressionable and i get that too and we've already talked about two reasons why um <laughs> four if you think about it but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it makes me appreciate the film too. Like I said, it's not the best film we ever see. It's not really the worst film. It's you know, so I'd say somewhere in between. But it's it's still enjoyable, if nothing else, because of what we just talked about with the ghosts. I will say one other scene that I felt was above average in this movie was the Shannon Elizabeth angry princess bathroom scene mm. with it flipping back and forth. That was really nice because that's a little bit more artsy, mm -hmm. a little, a little bit more artsy. Felt almost like a little bit of a callback to it. Mm, it does. It really does. I was going to mention there are little little nods, I think, throughout this film that I mean, outside of just the connection to the original, that if you're paying attention, you're like, oh, maybe maybe there's a little, you know, like hey, like maybe maybe not, but but I for example, for example, think about the lawyer's death. Right, he gets sliced. Mm -hmm. By the sliding glass door. And I was looking, I was like, ah, uh, we've actually talked about a death like this before. Back on Hannibal, mm -hmm. uh, Beverly Katz, who was one of those, like, I guess she was like a forensic scientist or whatever she was. She's the one who gets, like, dissected and put in those glass slides, like the horse and shit. I was like, ah, oh, that's really cool, man. Now, I don't know how much this film might have influenced it. I don't know. It, I know we talked about it was more influenced by artwork, but. Who knows? That's what I'm getting at. Maybe somebody else had seen that and was like, hey, you know what? Remember when they did this shit? That was actually pretty cool. <laughs> we could do that. Yeah, we could do that. We could probably do it better. <laughs> but no, it's still the thought. Like, maybe it was just a weird coincidence. Who knows? But I, I made note of that. There was one instance of, I don't know how many times I've seen this. It doesn't irk me a lot, but it's something that has to be noted, at least if you're a film watcher, for continuity and just for logic's sake. Tony's character gets fucked up by uh, what was it Jackal mm -hmm. like ripping out his back and shit right now that really happened and your ass got like that's some sensitive skin back there dude yeah we've talked about martyrs and what that can alright that's a whole different level but alright it was not long after that they, they go into the library as like a sanctuary spot yeah and he finds out because Kalina is like, oh, you don't know Matthew Lillard's character. Like, oh, his involvement with your wife. And then he's like, you know, punching him. I'm like, all right, here's the problem I have with that. You're not shaking off that injury that fast, especially mm. without, like, doctoring that shit up somehow. 
But I've seen that happen so many times in film where somebody sustains an injury that normally will put somebody out, mm -hmm. and they just kind of shake it off. Like, that didn't even happen. That's some ghost Don't shit. Don't worry about that. <laughs> These are ghost ones. <laughs> but I was just like, man, I hate when they do that because it's like, that's not realistic. Right. You're not shaking that off. That ghost fucked you up. <laughs> I did see, when I was reading about some of the shit for this movie, there was at least... One writer who got a couple lines in on mm. this movie that's uncredited. I saw that too. I didn't mention his name, but I know who you're talking about. James Gunn wrote some shit on this movie. That's pretty cool. Which makes sense because James Gunn was doing the fucking um, Scooby-Doo movies. I was like, was he a ghostwriter or something? <laughs> no puns, but... Right. <laughs> but he was doing the, the Scooby-Doo movies, that's and really I think neat. it was Lillard that he gave lines mm. to. Because I think he was the fucking, what did I say? It was a petting zoo downstairs? No, there's fucking ghosts downstairs. <laughs> like, that kind of makes sense. Oh, <clears throat> you know what's funny? Not I mean funny, but think about this. James Gunn worked with Troma. I know Troma has some connections to Full Moon. Yeah. There you go. So I think there's not a coincidence. And I, I think... 2000 oh no i don't think it was 2001 Ooh, maybe i was gonna say i think 2001 might have been the year that james gunn had two movies hit number one at the box office wow with uh that he wrote not that he directed no, I, I know you're with that's um, pretty cool scooby-doo and with the Zack snyder dawn of the dead remake wow it's impressive it might have been one of the scooby-doo sequels though because i can't remember what year the dawn of the dead remake came out because if it was like 04 I almost want to say 04, I think it is. So it's probably Scooby-Doo 2 then. Okay. But regardless, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, like I said, mm. some interesting connections. Knowing this is also a Canadian production, it's, you know, it's interesting to note there were some Canadian actors and actresses on this. And, um, yeah, I think for people, too, who are looking for, like, a good entry point into, you know, something that's not necessarily, like, real spooky, <laughs> but, you know... If you want a good entry point into late 90s, early 2000s horror, this, this is a, a good place. I think so. I think so. This could be a good landing spot for it somebody. It feels like the time period in ways that I don't have words to explain. Man. It's, it, for some reason, it's just it's wild to think that was like 20 years ago. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't feel like it, but yeah, it kind of does. But it makes me, it, like I said, it does make me appreciate how far films have come since and before and you know what was going on during this time period in terms of filmmaking and this is what it was i think it'd be worth getting another 13 ghosts remake i think it's I a think solid so too. idea i think somebody who has a little bit more of a dark vision mm -hmm. could really do something neat with the ghost here if you really really wanted to get into like backstory you know you are creating uh, a haunted house after ghosts that you specifically went after for certain reasons is a dope fucking idea i got something for you yeah and, you know, we like to toy around with ideas. I honestly think that you could do, like, an episodic mm. television series, and you could dedicate either, a, I don't know about a season, but a few episodes to each one of these ghosts that comprise a few seasons. I mean, shit, even an episode of Ghost. That's kind of what I'm getting, too. Like, you can do an hour-long dedication to maybe each ghost. Right. It'd be a lot more interesting. You could do what you will with it at least find ways to bring in other victims we need to see each of these ghosts do something yes to at least make them feel like there's a 
significance to a black zodiac other than the fact that, oh, coincidentally, they died in this horrific death. And yeah. so they fit this zodiac. Give me more than that. Yeah. That's fucking. Mm. I was like, there's there's good ideas, there's good concepts. It's just sometimes it's just the execution isn't there. Nobody saw me do the, the I realize this is a podcast. So yeah. when I did, I made that sound earlier, I was doing a weak fucking jerk off and then just cut <laughs> motion. I, I hope you all heard that in my, mm. <laughs> <laughs> regardless, it's like, I agree with you there. I think if somebody has enough, I don't know, has enough care for this kind of film, not only for this version, but William Castles and then interjecting their own ideas into this, this could be fun. I mean, fuck, just let James Gunn write the entire thing. Dude, yeah, fuck yeah. And you could bring back K and B if you want to do some real fuck good effects yeah. on this. Hey, like, hey, you know. Remember when you, you did this before? You, you want to beef it up a little bit? The torso character, man. I don't know yeah. what I would do with that. I know, mean, I was man. like, uh, shit, bring in Brian. All the other ones are kind of easy to make. Yeah. Creepy or like deadly in some way, I guess. But when you're, here's the thing. I do feel like they were using these ghosts way too physically. If you're going to have ghosts, you might as well lean into the supernatural a bit. Here, here, hear me out one more time. One more time. This is just all hypothetical. But what do you think? What do you think if you can get a Japanese director in on the torsos episode? Oh, fuck yeah. And yeah. play it up like that. I'm down. Like some Tokyo Gore Police style shit. Just fucking make it crazy as shit. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'd be in for that. With F the torso. is for fart, but T is for torso. I'm there. <laughs> getting that. Yeah, show me the T is for torso. <laughs> That's a, like that'd be awesome. How fucking crazy would it, you run into a room with a torso and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" And you just kick it over and you go to leave the room and you can't because <laughs> no. it's just like. Too late. Now you're in the vicinity. Reality warping power sort of crazy what? shit's going oh, on. Oh, no. You, you might as well have just walked into a fucking chamber of hell. Like That'd be awesome. We're giving people free ideas out here, people. 13 Ghost Remake? Here <laughs> no, we come. Definitely, I'm saying there's definitely something here that you could do with it. Yeah. I'm all for it. I think for people who are fans, too, it's, it's to be noted. If you run a really good copy... Screen Factory put it out, Shout Factory. Mm -hmm. So I've looked at it like, oh, I'm good. But for those who are looking for a good copy, they do a jam-up version of it. I might have to grab that myself because I do really dig this movie. All, say, all the shit I just talked, if, I want to buy this movie. I say, if, you, if you're going to get it, that's going to be a good version of it. We know what we're doing next week. Because mm -hmm. next week, that's what we're telling y'all. Get on our fucking Patreon. You'll get to hear this episode. We're going to go... Into our way back machine. We're going to be the way back boys. I love it when we are. And uh, hit up that first phantasm. Man. Talking about the tall man. What a quinky dink, right? Not really if you think about our show, but. It's the tall man. <laughs> We're going to get all up in that tall man pussy. I'm all for it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> all up in his guts. <laughs> I'm excited to see it again. I don't know what else we might have to say on it because I feel like we, I don't remember what we said, but I feel like we covered a lot last time, but I'm sure we'll come up with something. We're going to make it fun for you guys. If nothing else, I'm going to enjoy fucking watching it again. Likewise, me too. So this has been 13 Ghosts. That's going to be Phantasm. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out.
Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top, as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.